On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Daniel Kador. He is the VP of Engineering at Clockwise. We're going to be actually taking a slightly different angle on this episode. Uh, Clockwise, um, yeah, and I'll have Dan talk about it a little bit more himself, but they produced this amazing document with a ton of metrics around you know, engineering metrics. And uh, you know, Dan kind of walk us through um, some of the highlights and also um, you know, talk about how they're applying some of this, uh, these, some of these metrics internally. Uh, we will make the document available to you. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes so that everyone can kind of go uh, follow along. It's a, it's a super awesome uh, uh, resource. Uh, Dan, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start off um, asking two things always. One is, um, tell us what Clockwise does, and then you know, what are some of your responsibilities as the VP of Engineering? So Clockwise is a team time management platform, and we help customers like Uber, Reddit, New York Times, Brex, and many more make time for what matters, especially in their engineering teams. So we're not a calendar app. Instead, we work on behalf of our users to actually create more free time in their calendars. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, we're going to get into some of the metrics that uh, you guys are uh, obviously have visibility into. Um, and then, as a VP of engineering, what are some of your responsibilities? Yeah, it's a classic VP of engineering role. I am the senior most engineering leader in the company. I report to our CEO and uh, help manage the the team responsible for building our product at Clockwise. Help uh, make technical decisions about kind of future and direction of where we're headed as a company and, uh, you know, and, and help make sure the lights stay on and uh, we're doing our job for our customers. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Let's dive in. Uh, want to hopefully cover as much as we can. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll make, we'll make the, the document accessible so somebody can either uh, follow along um, or they can take a look at it hopefully afterwards. I guess, you know, tell us about the document. Tell us what, you know, what am I looking at? You know, what, what, where does this data come from? Let's start at the high level. Yeah, so we're looking at what we call the 2022 Software Engineering Meeting Benchmark Report. And basically, it's a it's a big report uh, consisting of data about how engineering teams meet and their meeting culture and like what is actually what what actually shows up on their calendars uh, from most of 2022. So it's a big data set consisting of one and a half million meetings across 80,000 plus engineers and 5,000 plus companies. Um, we have this data because our customers sign up for clockwise again, so we can help them create more, more time for what matters in their, in their workday. As part of that, we get access to or granted access to their, their Google calendar through a standard OAuth process. And as a result, we get to start uh, introspecting their calendars so we can act on their behalf to move meetings around, uh, deconflict things, basically kind of act as, as the assistant that most of us wish we had, but don't. And then once we do that in aggregate, we start having some pretty interesting uh, interesting data where we can we can see trends across uh, you know across many companies. Absolutely. And I guess the one, you know I, I read through the document, the one thing I kept coming away, with was the topic around focus time. And, and I guess let's just, you know, if somebody does go into the document, you know, what what does focus time mean in, in this context? Yeah. I think many of us in engineering are familiar with this uh, dichotomy of meters versus makers. 
Um, when we think about focus time, what we're really talking about is uh, an uninterrupted block of time that's at least two hours long. You know, the the time where as a maker, you you need that amount of time to really get into a flow state and be able to, you know, think strategically and critically about a problem and then solve it and not get distracted. Absolutely. What, what I what I came away with looking at this was, um, you know, as, as and you're the engineering leader, but I'm like, oh my god, engineering, you know, engineers nearly do not have a nearly a forty hour work week working on solving problems. They, uh, you know, depending on the current activities, I mean, all that gets fragmented. And and the I guess you know the one step that I I kind of saw that I was like, this is interesting because we we hear about this constantly about medium and large companies being a little bit slower and not as nimble as small companies. And I think the one stat that was interesting is that, you know, I'm reading this is 36% more time is spent on one-on-ones when you're at a medium or larger company as an engineer. I, I thought that was staggering. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's what's, what's cool about this report is that it, I think quantifies a lot of what we've felt kind of uh, intuitively as we've spent time at various companies in our careers and talked to our peers and colleagues at those companies. Yeah. I mean, there really is uh, what we refer to internally as like a meeting coordination tax that increases as the size of the company you're at increases. And, you know, and that that's based on aggregate reporting. I think there are really interesting outliers at every size of company that have figured out some best practices or figured out some methodology for, for having a healthy meeting culture and reducing the amount of time spent in meetings. But, um, but yeah, on, on average, you can really see, you can really see it in the data, which is cool. So I guess the one thing that I was looking at this and going, you know, the concept of focus time, deep work, focusing deeply, that's super important for an engineer as an engineering leader how do you help your team? I mean, you, you see these metrics. How do you help your team to actually have, you know, gain some of that force multiplier of of being able to deeply focus and be able to get more out of their day? Yeah. You can imagine uh, at a company like ours, we think a lot about uh, the amount of time our engineers get to focus on the problems in front of them. We actually track this, not even just for our engineering team. We track this as a company level metric. So one of our top level KRs across quarter, you know, across quarter to quarter across the year, um, is really about the amount of focus time people at the company get. And it's not just focused on ICs, but for my engineering team, it's one of the, the main things that we're thinking about. And. So what, what's cool to see is a you know we we do have some benchmarking against other companies and so we can see we are in the you know very top percentiles of uh, amount of focus time per engineer which is great and I think the way we get there is a you know I don't want to shill the product too much but I actually do believe it works so we use the product we use it the way it's intended and so we are are actually like. Our whole team, basically, almost all of our meetings are marked as what we call flexible. And so our system is automatically moving them around or what we call like defragging the calendar uh, very regularly. That happens every day. And it generates a lot of focus time for us. Outside of using the product, you know, uh, because there are important rituals that we um, rituals that we we uh, kind of take advantage of, you know, we're doing things like experimenting pretty regularly with like no meeting days or uh, 
really leaning more and more, especially recently, into asynchronous communication tools. So, you know, going beyond the the slacks of the world and into things like Loom, um, really leaning into better documentation with Notion, even using, you know, going back to Slack, like Slack video, Slack uh, audio messages. These are the kinds of things where we can point people to those tools and say, do you actually need a meeting for this? If you do, great, let's have a meeting. If not, though, you know, let's uh, let's try to keep the meeting load low. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned um, fragmented time, you know, defragging. And the one stat that was interesting, and I started actually paying attention when I read this last, uh, I think it was a week and a half ago, and I started paying attention to my own week. Six, And this is for engineers, obviously, so it's out of context for me, but I just thought it was interesting to actually reflect was... 6.3 hours are spent in between meetings, which is the fragmented time. That that on a, let's say, we want our people to work 40 hours in a theoretical world. That's a ma- that's one seventh. I mean, a little bit, you know, not, not quite, but that's a massive amount of time, six hours, almost, you know, an hour and a quarter a day where you're just not useful because you're just, you know, meetings were not properly scheduled and they're not optimal. I mean... Do you guys have any, like, are you applying that internally to avoid some of that? I know you mentioned the the calendaring of flexible time, but like when, when you guys are looking at that, have you tried, you know, hey, we only do meetings during these blocks and outside of that, the rest of the time, you know, save it for tomorrow. I mean, have you tried anything? Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of, um, in many ways, really the underlying premise of the product is turning that fragmented time into more usable time. Um and so, yeah, it's definitely one of the big focuses of how we we run the team. And, you know, I think we've all had that day of, well, I'm in four hours of Zoom meetings, but I've got 30 minutes between each of them. So all I'm doing is those four hours of Zooms. Yeah. So it's definitely something we pay a lot of attention to. And um, the product helps. And we also, you know, have a little bit of training as every new employee onboards on like, you know, hey, as you're scheduling meetings... Um, try to be aware of what you might be doing in terms of Swiss cheesing the day. The product, our, our product also uh, tries to generate suggestions when you schedule to be like, you know, this time is actually better. It's going to generate more focus time. If you book it here, you know, this is going to be the negative impact. You still can, of course, like sometimes you just need to meet during that slot and that's okay. But, uh, you know, we try to point out the things that might be harder to understand um, just as, you know, a human trying to get a meeting on the calendar. Absolutely. I, I guess one on ones going back to that. I mean, that's a that's a big that's a big time drain. Not not only for the actual engineers, but I mean the management layer. I mean, um, an engineer might probably probably has one one on one for the week or biweekly or whatever the frequency is. But a, a manager is spending, you know, one on ones throughout their you know their team, and then they have to go have a one on one their manager. Obviously, so all of a sudden, you know, you're multiplying the time spent. And I guess we need it. We need to hear, especially in remote, you know, companies where you don't get that FaceTime. Um, have you guys seen anything that helps improve just how you structure your one-on-ones? Or do you have any, you know, any thoughts on how uh, what you guys have seen with the one-on-ones? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the key that we found to having effective one-on-ones, whether they're one-on-ones between managers and the people who report to them or skip levels or just, you know, cross org uh, uh, one-on-ones is really about, it's not rocket science. It's really about having a good agenda where ahead of time, there's a document, the document contains, you know, things like 
all my one-on-ones, I have a document that says, here's uh, each iteration of the meeting. We're going to do feedback up front, you know, bi-directional. It's really important to me. It's frankly, more important to me to hear feedback from them to me about the things that I could be doing better, serving them more uh, effectively in um, topics that we can capture as we think about things throughout the week of like, you know, this one's not urgent, but I'd love to ask, you know, one of my people, like, what's the status of this thing that I'm not in the stand-up for? Or um, them saying, like, I've got this question about the business, you know, can you help contextualize a decision for me? I didn't quite understand, whatever it is. Um, and then just really sticking to that routine. Um, and then, you know, being free to give time back when it's not necessary. Uh, so I think those are some of the the basics, but they work really, I think, effectively. And then in, in terms of one of the, the things that we see, you know, you referred to kind of this meeting coordination tax as, as the size of organizations grows. I think, you know, having lived that a little bit and, and experienced it personally, one of the things, one of the reasons behind the, like, I need to have my one-on-one with my TPM and my product manager and the group man, group product manager and like the marketing lead and the sales lead for my group is because, you know, some of that's important and you should meet, maybe should be meeting monthly, maybe quarterly. I think in big organizations, those revert to like, let's meet once a week because they haven't figured out effective means of group communication, whether that's better team meetings or whether that's, again, leaning more into asynchronous communication tools that allow people to share state more freely. Um, So they just fall back to, let's just meet. And I think that's an anti-pattern. Like that's something to be interrogated. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I think, you know, as, as the last couple of years, remote has become the norm. Uh, I, I don't know what will happen in the future, but we've we've dealt with it. It almost feels that like sometimes we've just taken what we did and we just applied it. And obviously, you know, we had years and decades to you know get to a very I was going to say efficient, but a process uh, <laughs> that works in yeah. person. Um, and we did have not had. We've had you know twenty four to thirty six months of dealing with all of a sudden adjusting. You keep. And the one thing that you're mentioning I find interesting is you talk about asynchronous communication. Obviously, when you're in the office, it's easy. Let's just round up. Let's do the stand-up. It's done. But when we're not there, when you have a Zoom, you lose... Yes, it's 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 not asynchronous to a certain degree, but you lose so much of the in-person. Like, is it possible to go, hey, let's, let's you know, something like leave voice notes for each other or record little, you know, audio snippets of you know, of our ritual and everyone can just listen to them. Uh, you know, first thing in the morning, we don't have to do a meeting. You just listen to them. And if there is a sidebar, you know, you, you then go deal with it. But if it's just information so that the whole team just is, you know, gathering that information, I think it'd be really interesting to have uh, you. I think, you know, the async kind of stand up would be, would be very intriguing for a lot of companies to try. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we certainly do. We are, our, our sprint kind of, our, our uh, agile ceremonies include, synchronous plannings, retros, and things like that. And we sometimes do synchronous uh, stand-ups if there's something important to talk about as a group, but oftentimes we default to asynchronous stand-ups. And I think, you know, more broadly, one of the mistakes that engineering leaders, really people leaders, uh, are sometimes making in reflecting back on the last 24 or 36 months is conflating the logistical um, impossibilities of getting together in person during a pandemic with uh, 
what it might be like to practice remote first practices, but still get together from time to time for socialization and bonding and culture building purposes. Like, and that's really how we're trying to operate here and how I, I've tried to lead this team is we run remote first. We have an office in San Francisco. It's optional to come in. We have some, you know, we have lunch a couple of days a week. People come in, we have a nice time together. But, you know, meetings are all remote first. We're operating in that way. And then we make time to come together. You know, we just had an onsite uh, two weeks ago. We brought the whole company together to San Francisco. We got to hang out. Um, you know, spend that time together that is really critical. Um, but I don't think it has to inform like every meeting must be synchronous as a way to generate sort of bonding. Like that's just, I think, unnecessary and and frankly not, I think is wasteful and also not what employees want. Like they don't want to be in a, a slew of meetings uh, every day. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's a super interesting point um, because... I, I talked to a lot of engineering leaders on the podcast, and, and the one question I do like to ask is how, you know, whether whether it makes it the podcast or just for my you know, understanding of of the broader market is how they deal with the team building, um, and a lot of times it's one on ones. I I hear that a lot that one on ones is my team building, and I think what you just said was one on ones really are not team building. It's 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 an information dissemination ritual to make sure everyone has you know per agile scrum. The commitments of 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 their responsibilities and and uh, what's what blocking might exist, but outside of that, they don't last very long. I see my teammate, but am I really bonding? Have I done anything to kind of feel closer to them? I probably haven't. I just am probably get my piece done, get me off of this. I need to go uh, defragment my uh, calendar because I've got all these meetings and I need to get some jam and some work between it. It it is interesting as you just mentioned that. That we rely on this one-on-one as as a you know way to check in on or not the one-on-one but the daily standup. The one-on-one obviously is meant for you know checking in, but the, the daily standup to your point, you know, is I, I I do think it's highly inefficient at times depending on the size of the group as well. I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, I look at the standup as a way to to quickly disseminate state and then generate potential follow-ups that need to happen outside the context of that standup, right? Um, But yes, one-on-ones, I think remote one-on-ones at their best can definitely be used to build relationship, you know, Uh, but it's harder. And I think generally, you know, you know, there's multiple kinds of one-on-ones, right? There's the, let's quickly check on state. There's the like, Hey, check in how you're doing. There's the career building and professional development kind of one-on-one mentorship. Um, So, you know, you have to, alternate between those as, as is appropriate for, you know, whatever, whatever the person you're working with needs. But like, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, I still think it's important to get time in person. And, you know, one of the things I'll do every now and then is say, like, I'll, I'll just go do a, I live in, the, in San Francisco. Some of my team are in South Bay. They don't come to the office that often. So I'll just do like a South Bay road trip. Like, oh, I'm just going to go visit y'all. Um, and then, of course, we bring people to the office. Uh, you know, semi-regularly. Absolutely. I, I guess the the final question I was going to ask you about the metrics, and and I just I'm curious of your opinion because I saw that uh, uh, an average software engineer spends 19.3 hours in focus time. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to I haven't decided if I think wow that's pretty remarkable or wow in a 40 hour work week that's 
that's that's inefficient because I'm also thinking, you know, as an, if I was an engineering leader and I need to deliver other, you know, to the roadmap, small, medium, large company, I need to know my hiring cadence. If I know I only have 20 hours of real productivity out of an employee, not 40, and I'm going into sprint planning thinking, oh, this guy thinks he's going to, you know, hit certain velocity, but in reality, the velocity is never going to surpass. That's the maximum velocity. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if that's a lot or a little. I, I I guess it's for each person to to determine. But I'm shocked that it was 19.3 once you take out all the all the overhead. Yeah, yeah. I think you know this is a very individualized uh, and sort of organization by organization um, planning exercise to decide. You know. A, where do I sit on this spectrum? Because again, this is a pretty wide spectrum. We're talking averages here, about half, a little less than half an engineer's time being spent in what you could think of as like maker time. There are some organizations that are much better. Uh, you know, we're lucky enough to count ourselves as one of those. It's something we pay attention to. And there's some organizations that have significantly fewer hours per per engineer. And I think those are the ones where you have to say like, all right. Well, let's look at let's look at our budgets and how we're thinking about hiring and how we're thinking about you know where we're we're placing our strategic bets for investment for the company and and maybe one of them needs to be we got to figure out how to make the team more productive. It's almost like uh, you know I know lawyers you know billable hours are super important. Consultants billable hours are super important. It almost is. It almost feels as though tracking. Uh, the internal service that's provided to the team by an engineer, not, not a billable hour because it's not billable, but serviceable time. Um, you know, obviously everyone tracks it, but this this is very eye opening because I think uh, you know finding even an hour to you know massive uh, percentage points here that you could shift things. So very interesting. Um, th- th- thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing. Again, we'll we'll try to make this doc available to. To listeners, so they can hopefully, uh, as we're talking about these data metrics, you know, you can scroll through. You'll you'll see exactly what we kind of uh, have gone through. Um, I guess as as our time's expiring, I always like to to wrap up with two things. One is um, if you could uh, ask a future guest to answer a, a one question or have them talk about a you know, topic you'd like to listen to, what would that be? I'm very interested in, as you can probably tell, uh, asynchronous communication tools and the way that people are kind of modernizing and evolving uh, the way their organization works together. So I'm very, I'm always very interested to hear from other leaders who are kind of pushing the boundaries of, you know, how their companies operate. There, there are some companies that do the no meeting uh, culture. And I think they're fascinating. And I'd love to hear from them, especially in the, uh, uh, the moments that get hard in a company where you're like it's easy to default to a meeting. I mean, what do you do in that in that case? That would be fascinating to hear. Uh, kind of the the brutal honesty there. Yeah, I, I think that would be a. I, th- I think that could be a very interesting uh, topic to see how many people actually have have actually moved to that asynchronous model on on some of the some of their activities. I'm sure they have because a lot of us use Slack, but um, it is it is going to be a good one. Um, also, if somebody wants to reach out to you, uh, we talked a lot of data points. Maybe they want to just pick your brain on a on something you mentioned. What's a good way of getting a hold of you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. It should be pretty easy. My name's uh, not that common, so it shouldn't be too hard to Google me. Uh, and then, uh, and you can just hit me up on email too. I'm just dan at kickclockwise.com. Awesome. We'll make sure uh, we leave some of those links in the show notes. Um, thanks again for being on, Dan. This was uh, really interesting uh, to cover these data points. 
Yeah, uh, glad to go over it with you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That's it for this episode. We'll be back again, different guests, different topic. Until then, two things. One, um, if you're if you're using the you know asynchronous communication tools in your uh, engineers' daily lives, let's let's have you on. I'd love to you know get more you know views on how uh, what those best best practices look for your team. And if the podcast is useful, share it. Um, leave a review uh, in Apple or Google or wherever you listen to the podcast. That always helps us. And that's how we've kind of grown. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.